I want to talk tonight uh, about a subject that got brought up uh, during the course of the week, like many times things do. But tonight, tonight's message is about the gospel. And it's really important for us not only to get the gospel right, but it's important to understand that there's only one gospel. Amen. Um, there is a school of thought that teaches that Jesus preached one gospel and the apostles preached another gospel and Paul preached the gospel. But this is not true. They're all the same gospel. What we see in the word of God is a progression of the revelation of the gospel. But we don't see Jesus preaching something that the apostles didn't preach and the apostles preaching something that Paul didn't preach. This is not in scripture. This has not been believed by orthodox Christianity ever in the history of Christianity. There have been people who have believed this, but they have all been deemed heretics because this is a heretical view. The reasons that these views are heretical are numerous, but I'm going to name a couple. Number one, if you say the gospel started only when Paul started preaching, what you're saying is the angels didn't preach the gospel, Jesus didn't preach the gospel, and the apostles didn't preach the gospel. What you're essentially saying is Jesus and the apostles gave the Jews one way of salvation, and Paul gave the Gentiles another way of salvation. And this is not taught in scripture either. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? The gospel is one gospel. The realities that the gospel is one gospel cannot even be argued once you realize where Paul gets his gospel, where Peter gets his gospel, and how they agree. Amen? Now, we're going to start in a very peculiar spot with definition. Is that all right? And if you watched last night, Kyle gave you the definition of what gospel means, okay? And it's the word euangelion. It is absolutely the most easy word that we have to translate. It means good tidings, good news. That is simply 100% equivocally what the word gospel or euangelion means. If you have a Strong's Concordance like Mike does, you can go look up the Greek word 2098. It's euangelion. E-U-A-N-G-E-L-I-O-N. Euangelion. Good tidings or good news. Now, you look it up in the Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary. This is the very first definition in Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. You want it? The message concerning Christ, the kingdom of God, and salvation. That's the gospel. That is exactly the, the biblical definition of the gospel. Okay? Now, we're going to start with where... What is the gospel? So we've, we've an answered that question. It's good news. It is the good news concerning Christ, the kingdom of God, and salvation. Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves in regards to the 
the, the philosophy that there's more than one gospel or Jesus preached the gospel and, and the disciples preached the gospel and then Paul preached a whole other gospel. The question we have to ask ourselves is, has three good newses came into the world? Or has one good news come into the world? Amen. The question isn't, uh, are the Jews saved through Christ and are the Gentiles saved through Christ? Because yes, they are. But they're not saved by two different gospels. They are saved by the self-same gospel. Amen. So I want to start at the beginning in the Bible where the gospel starts. Now, how many of you think you know where I'm going? Where do you think I'm going, Mike? Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I've made... Now, I'm not going to read it all like Kyle did, okay? <laughs> if you will, just go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And this is the crux of it because the... the fall of man has already taken place. Can I get an amen? Adam and Eve have already ate the fruit. They already revealed their own nakedness. They've already hid themselves from God. The sin has already happened. Sin has already entered into the world. Amen? Now watch what God says. Uh, and the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all the beasts of the field. On your belly shalt you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. Now I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, if you're reading the King James, it's going to say, I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed, and her seed will bruise, uh, or his, his, uh, excuse me, he will bruise thy head, and you shall bruise his heel. Amen? Is that what it says? Yes or no? Wesley's got a King James, right? All right. That's what it says. Now, this seed, this seed is what goes throughout the whole Bible, okay? This seed isn't something that's promised here and then forgotten about later on. Amen? Why? Because God starts a plan and God finishes a plan. Amen. God does not abandon a work. Amen. And God did not uh, set up in heaven and go, oops, man messed up. Now how am I going to save him? That's not how it worked. Notice that God does not seem to be alarmed about the fact that they've fallen. He doesn't seem to be alarmed that Satan done this, but he gives them a promise. Her seed shall bruise your head, and your seed, and you, doesn't say your seed, it says, and you shall bruise his heel. Right? Even in the King James it says that, doesn't it? You know why? Because Satan doesn't reproduce. If we understand that the serpent is Satan here, then we understand that Satan's not reproducing. Amen? Now watch this. In the beginning, it's in Genesis 3, 14 and 15, with the promise of the seed that would crush the head of the serpent. 
We see this seed also again in Isaiah. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. Now most of you are going to know exactly what I'm going to, why I'm going to Isaiah chapter 7. But we're going to read it anyway. Amen? Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. <clears throat> Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Amen? Are you seeing this? Isn't this a promise? What promise is this? What promise is this? Anybody remember? This is the promise of Christ. Okay? And I want to show you, before we get done with this, that the book of Hebrews says that the seed... That was in the garden is Christ. And Matthew and Luke say that Emmanuel is Christ. So the seed in Isaiah 7, 14 and the seed in Genesis 3, 14 and 15 are the same seed. The child, the seed, the offspring are the same person in both places. When the virgin will be with child and she will call his name Emmanuel, which we know from Matthew chapter 1, if you'll turn there to Matthew chapter 1, we know from Matthew chapter 1 that Emmanuel means what? God with us. Amen? I'm just giving you a brief definition of what the gospel is and where it started, okay? I'm not going in depth. I'm just giving you a fast-paced walkthrough, okay? So, chapter 1, or, yeah, chapter 1, verse 20. Uh -huh. But he considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, I want to stop you real quick here. Does anybody know what the name Jesus means? Jesus, in English, is the Hebrew word Joshua. And Joshua means Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves. Amen. Now, watch this. He said you're going to name him Jesus or Joshua in the Hebrew, okay? You're going to name him Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. Watch what Matthew records the angel saying. It says, Joseph, son of David, do not, be, do not uh, be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Yahweh saves. Now watch. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, or the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we have the seed beginning in Genesis. This is the promise, right? This is the, this is the, uh, there's a, there's another word, I can't remember it, uh, the uh, proto-evangelion, or uh, you know what I'm talking about, the, the 
proto-euangelion. It's the proto-euangelion, meaning before his incarnation, this is the promise of the gospel, okay? And then we have the same promise of the gospel in Isaiah, amen? And now we have here Jesus fulfilling the promise of the gospel. Now, you go, well, Pastor, this doesn't say anything about good news. Really? Turn with me to Luke. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. When you get to Luke chapter 2, say amen. Amen. Now, we're going to go to verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now, Jesus has already been born, okay? They've already laid him in a manger, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, all that stuff. And in the same region, there were shepherds in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared unto them in glory. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, behold, uh, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy. Now, I want you to know that this word right here isn't quite euangelion. It's euangelios, which is bringing up the good news. This is exactly what it means, okay? It's exactly tied to the good news. So when he says, the angel says, I bring you good news. What's the King James say? Good tidings of great joy, right? Verse, where am I at? Verse 10, what's the angel say in King James? Yeah, verse 10. Good tidings of great joy. That's exactly the same word with a different, it's a verb instead of a noun, okay? But it's euangelios instead of euangelion, which is just the good news. Now we have an active verb, I'm bringing you the good news, okay? Now what do they say the good news is? Watch this. He says, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ or Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a great, uh, was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go to Bethlehem and see that this thing has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Do you understand that the angels of God were involved with the proclamation of the gospel? The good news does not start at the cross. The good news started in Genesis 3. The good news was reiterated to Abraham. The good news was reiterated to David. I, was, I will put a king upon your throne and he will be there forever. What does he say in the book of Revelation? I am the root of David. 
I am the king. Amen. That's what he's saying. He's claiming that. I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David. Amen. It's exactly his words. If you flip over to Revelations 22, I'm going to show you. Just, just for the, just for, uh, just so I can uh, prove a point, okay? Let's see. Got too much stuff in the back of this Bible. When somebody gets there before me, say amen. Man, you all were. <clears throat> Let's see if I can find it. Right here, verse 16. I, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. I am the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Amen. Let the one who hears come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires to take of the water of freely the water of life freely without price. Now I know the King James says, whosoever, let him come. Amen. Now here's the thing that I want to get to with all of this, okay? We've read through this. I'm, I've read you the lineage all the way through Genesis to Isaiah to Matthew and right here into Luke where we know for a fact this angel. Can, can I go back and reiterate something to you from Luke? Turn with me back to Luke real quick because I, I want to make a point here that often gets missed in the proclamation by these angels. Now, it's very important that we pay close attention to what this angel says. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. He didn't say this is just good news for the Jews. All people. Amen. So Jesus coming into the world was not just for the Jew at this point. Even. At this point. Him coming into the world was because the gospel, the good news of Christ coming into the world is here. And he's come to save Jew and Greek alike. He's, he's come to save every, from every tribe, every tongue, every nation from the beginning of the gospel. Oh, how do you say this is the beginning of the gospel? Pastor told me to Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Mark 1, verse 1. I want you to take special note of these words. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Does anybody want to take a stab in the dark at what gospel they think is the first one that was written? Mark. Out of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark is the oldest oldest gospel, the one that was written first. Which is why Mark, or excuse me, uh, Matthew and Luke share so much similarities with it. Let that sink in. Because they all told the same story. They were all hanging out with each other. They all were in the same circle. Mark followed Peter and Paul. Luke followed Paul. 
That's why, they're, that's why their gospels and their gospel accounts are so detailed and so together. John was the only one that wrote his by himself. That's why you have information in the book of John that you don't have in other gospel accounts. Like Luke doesn't know the name of the guy that gets his ear cut off, but John does. Why? Because John knew the temple guards. Personally. Philip, there's, there's all kinds of details in, God, in John's account that are not mentioned in the other ones because it had to have been written by a first-hand count by a person that was writing it that was there, not who was taking down what somebody else wrote or what somebody else said, which is the case in at least Mark and Luke. Now, why is all this important? It's important because Mark is telling you that the gospel began with the coming of Christ, not at the cross, not 33 years into his life. Amen. If all God had to do was send his son to die and raise from the dead, then Jesus could have came to earth, just like Kyle said, as a 33-year-old, 33-and-a-half-year-old man, lived one week, died, and rose again. But that isn't all that he had to do. He had to come as a man. He had to live as a man. He had to keep the law as a man. He had to keep it perfectly. He had to fulfill every, every part of the law. Jesus, when he went to get baptized, he says, he, he says let us suffer these things right now for righteousness. Amen. We must endure all righteousness. We must endure it. We must do it. Because it's right. Amen? Jesus had to live a perfect life. The gospel is not just 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Everything about Jesus' life, death, resurrection, uh, uh, sending the Holy Spirit and his coming again, all parts of the gospel. Little note here. <laughs> so I want to read this. We see the seed again promised in Isaiah 7, 14, when the virgin will be with child and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew 1, 20 to 23. This confirms that Jesus is the seed. He is the Emmanuel, the God that is with us. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14 clarifies that the coming of the Messiah, this Christ, this Jesus literally Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. This Emmanuel, God with us, has come to save his people from their sin. It's very specific. Come to save his people from their sin. How does he do this? That's the gospel. Why does he do this? That's also the gospel. Amen. Let's look at it. I want to... Number one, and you guys can go, we're going to look some of these up. We're not going to look all of them up because I wrote too many verses down. Uh, number one, we're going to start with the gospel. Why did he come? Why did the Messiah come to save his people from their sin? Number one reason, because in Adam, all people fell. All people became sinners in Adam. 
Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is obviously one of the parts that many people like to go and quote uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 1 through 4. But we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21. Because we're going to see the reason that Christ came. Not just what he did when he came, but why he came. Can I get an amen? Because why he came is also the gospel. Why did he come to save us? Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Amen? Now watch this. Verse 21 of chapter 15. For by a man came death. And by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died also, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Wow, this is a profound statement, isn't it? The statement is this, that in Adam all people fell, all people sinned. Go with me to Romans 5, which is exactly where Kyle was last night. Romans chapter 5. Why is Acts so big in my Bible? Acts, or excuse me, Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verse 12 to verse 19, if that's okay. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the, have the grace of God and the free gift by grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for, judge, for the judgment following the one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Right here is why Christ came. Amen. Because in Adam we all died. He said in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, in him all sinned. Amen. We all fell. We all uh, uh, died in him. And here he's saying we've all sinned. Sin brings death. How do we know that? Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is what? Death. Amen. We also see that all have sinned in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. 
Matter of fact, if, if you really take a moment just to read Romans at all, you'll know that Romans chapter 1 is all about the Gentiles' sin, and Romans chapter 2 is all about Israel's sin, and then he sums all people all over the earth up with this one statement, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one righteous, no, not one. There's not one that does good. There's not one that seeks after God. There's none of them. Amen? So when people go, how many good people has went to hell? None. Not one. How many good people has went to heaven? None. Not one. <laughs> Amen? Nobody. So number one, because, why did God do this? Because in Adam all people fell and all people have sinned. Because we have all sinned, we all deserve death. Romans 6.23, amen? So Jesus coming is, is God, uh, excuse me. So Jesus coming is good news because he lived a perfect life. He never sinned, never broke God's law, and therefore is the perfect high priest and sacrifice to make atonement for our sins. And if you want the verses, which I have a plethora of, okay, all of the verses that I wrote down, and this is just a few that I wrote off the top of my head. These are not ones I spent hours and hours digging up, okay? This is just off the top of my head. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. 1 John 3, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 23. 1 Peter 1, 19. Now, if you go to the book of Hebrews, you can read chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9. All talk about why Jesus is a better high priest, why he is the best, the only perfect sacrifice, and that because he's not like the earthly priest or the earthly sacrifice that has to be given once a year and he's not a high priest that has to give sacrifice for his own sin because he is sinless and perfect he's the perfect high priest he's the perfect atonement and because he is the perfect atonement he can give eternal life to everyone who has ever sinned ever why number one reason that i gave to my children when we read this chapter this morning because we read chapter 10 i think chapter 9 or 10 this morning in hebrews because we read every morning the answer is this, because God is infinite, because God is immutable, unchangeable, because he's holy and righteous, and because Jesus is God, when he died on the cross, the payment that he made paid the price for anybody who had ever sinned, ever, because that's how holy he is. That's how perfect he is. That's how righteous he is. How perfect is he? He's infinitely perfect. How holy is he? He's infinitely holy. How righteous is he? He's infinitely righteous, which makes his sacrifice the only one that could pay for our sins and the sins of the whole world, which is what John says. Amen? This is the gospel. Every bit of it. Why? Why did God do this? This is the question, right? Because that's the question. Well, why would God send his own son? Why? Well, number one, you're trapped in sin. Amen? And there's only one way out of sin. And that's for someone to die. And if you don't come to Christ, you're going to die for your sin. <laughs> Amen? 
This is why God sent his son. But second, why did God send his son? Because it pleased God to do so. And because God loves us. Want some verses for that? Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 1.21. I want to show you something that you may not have seen before. And if you had, maybe you could just file away. Next time you talk to somebody, you'll remember to talk, tell them this, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God. God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. It pleases God to save us. You see that? It pleased God. Not only did it please God to do it the way he did it, it pleased God because he loved us and wanted to save us. How do we know this? John 3:16. I want to go there, okay? Because there's more than just the point about God loving us that we need to see in John 3. Can I get amen? Make sure you say amen if you're awake. Amen. amen. So turn with me to John 3, 16. We're going to read 3, 16, 17, and 18, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Now watch this. Number one, God sent his son because he loved us. Amen. But number two, I want you to understand that the words whosoever show up twice. And the word whoever shows up twice. It doesn't say God sent his son into the world to save the Jews. It doesn't say God sent his son into the world just to save Gentiles. It said everyone, anyone, whosoever. Amen? We have that whosoever twice. We have the whoever twice. Amen? Check it out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, or in King James it says whosoever, right? Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Now watch this. We taught this before, didn't we? The world here means what? Anybody from any tribe, tongue, nation on the earth. Amen? Anyone from any place who believes. Anyone from any place who will come. Anyone from any place who is a thirst. This is what we see in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. Amen? The spirit and the bride say come. Amen? The church says come. Let him who is thirsty come. Let whosoever will let him come. Amen? This is not. A, a gospel. This is not John preaching a gospel to just the Jews. This is not what we see in view here. And the view that Jesus or John preached some other gospel than Peter and Paul or or James, excuse me, Jesus, Peter, and John or James preached a different gospel than Paul is erroneous. It's untruthful. It's not being genuine with what the text says. 
Watch this. <laughs> it's very important that we get this. Romans 5.8. This is one last verse on why God came. Why God sent his son. We said, because God loved us, right? Romans 5, verse 8. Very famous verse passage. It says, for God, uh, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Now, Romans in the, in the King James says, for God demonstrated. I think that's a little more dramatic than shows us, right? God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners. Huh? Commended? Is that what it says? Okay. God commended his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So why do we get beside ourselves when we... People go, God loves you. Well, don't you don't tell people that. Sure you can. You can tell people God loves them. Amen? I mean, unless you know who the elect are and, and I don't, I mean. But the reality is none of us do. <laughs> right? I'm with Charles Spurgeon. It'd be nice if they just had a yellow stripe painted on their back so I could just walk around and find them. Go preach to them. But I don't know who they are, so I'm going to commend them God's love. That he loved them and gave himself for them. Amen? How? How are we saved by Christ? By grace, through faith, in Christ, and his work of redemption. Period. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. If you got a Bible, just go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should do them. Then we go, okay, it says by grace through faith, Pastor, well, how does that work? Turn to Romans 10. This is simple. This is you know, they used to call this the Romans road. The Romans road is all his sin and falling short of the glory of God. But God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, and you believe God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans chapter 10. Amen? So go with me to Romans 10. We're going to read from verse 9 to verse 13, I believe. Well, let's start at 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction. I want you to get this too. Are you seeing what's about to be said? For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you seeing, this is now Paul talking. Amen? 
We already saw John said that there's no distinction. Amen. John saying whosoever will, anybody, anybody that believes, anybody that comes. Amen. This is John in John, in the Gospel of John, in the book of Revelation, it's John. Amen. John's Gospel is not different than Paul's Gospel. It is the same Gospel. Can I get an amen? I feel like Feltner right now. <clears throat> but there's several things in here. Number one, I believe in my heart. I believe in my heart. Amen. Watch this. Because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, everybody gets stuck right there. I'll just confess Jesus is Lord. No, no, no. It's not just confessing Jesus is Lord. It's believing in your heart. Believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Not just knowing it in my mind. That's not what he said. It's believing it in my heart. Knowing and believing are two different things. Knowing a thing will not cause you to do a thing. Only believing will cause you to do. Amen? The reality of the gospel is staggering when we understand that there is not more than one gospel. So we have John agreeing. We have Paul agreeing. I'm going to get to it, but we're going to see Peter agreeing too. Amen. Here the gospel, the good news, is not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile also in, he, er, in, in, yeah, in Romans chapter 10. It's for the Jew and the Greek. Why? Because God has made no distinction between Jew and Greek. I want to go back for just a moment. The angel at the beginning said that these good tidings of great joy were for all people. The gospel from the beginning, from the, from the heralding of the angels that proclaimed Emmanuel has come into the world, has said it's for all people. John, in John 3, says it's for whosoever will. John, in Revelations 22, says it's for whosoever will. Paul, here, in in Romans chapter 10 says it's for whosoever will. Romans 1 16. Let's flip back to the very beginning of Romans. This is still Paul. We're going to see Paul say this again. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And I'm pretty sure, I think the King James there on verse uh, 17 says, the just shall live by faith. That's the justified. Those who have been made righteous. Amen. Now watch this. It says in this text, to everyone who believes, amen? doesn't say to the Jews only. Matter of fact, he says it's to everyone who believes, and then he clarifies to the Jew and the Gentile, amen? This is Paul's gospel, not just to the Greek, amen? Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. 
Don't worry, I'm getting through with this. I'm almost done. Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 26. When you get there, say amen. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed, so that when the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that, me, in order that we might be justified by faith, but now that faith is come, we are no longer under the guardian or the schoolmaster, as the King James says, I believe. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now watch this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. Now, I want you to understand that God promised Abraham a seed. Amen? A seed that would inherit all of that land. And then it, remember, we've been going through this on, on uh, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. We just realize that the promise is going to be that all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through his seed. Who's the seed? Christ. Who's the promised seed? Christ, because he is the gospel. He, his proclamation, his proclamation started in Genesis, went to Abraham, went to David, went to uh, all the way through to Matthew 1, Luke 2. To understand that this God who's with us is that seed, is that Emmanuel. Peter agrees with Paul. I want you to see this. Go to Acts chapter 15. Because this is the crux of the argument. Because the, the argument that has been made is that Paul preached one gospel, Peter preached another gospel. But we've seen that John preaches the same gospel as Paul. And here I'm going to show you that Peter preaches the same gospel as Paul. Acts chapter 15, verse 7. And it starts as this. Watch this. As soon as I find my... There we go. And after these had been... Oh, excuse me. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Men... Or brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel. Notice that he said the Gentiles are going to hear the word of the gospel from him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Now, when is he talking about? He's talking about Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile. Amen? This is the only reason he's sitting here making the case. is because the church at the time was like, are we really letting the Gentiles in? And Peter said, God said we have to. We have to. Because the promise is not just for us. Do you remember in times of old, he said he'd bring the Gentiles in, right? Now watch this. Verse 10, now therefore, why are we putting, uh, 
excuse me, verse 10, or 9, excuse me. I'm at 8 or 9, I can't remember. I'm at 8. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them. Who's us? The Jews and the Gentiles, right? Make no distinction between, you were right, by the way, Wesley, I was on that. <laughs> he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their heart by faith. Now, therefore, why are we putting on, putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. Does this sound like he preaches a different gospel than Paul? No, because he does not. This is absolutely the same message with no variation. That is why Paul comes back to Peter twice to make sure that the gospel he preached that he was doing it right. He said, so that I would not have run my race in vain. It's so important for us to get the gospel right. I'm going to go ahead and end right there at Revelation chapter 22. I want to read just a bit of Revelation 22 because it's so good. And he said unto me, verse 6, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servant what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard them and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me them. But he said, no, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brother, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said unto me, do not seal up the words of, this prophecy, of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and let the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous do what is right, and the holy be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing re my recompense with me. To repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. So that they may have the right to the tree of life. And that they may enter in by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral. And the murderers and the idolaters. And all and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root of David, the descendant, uh, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and the morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires to take of the waters of life without price. King James says, whosoever will, let him come. This is the gospel. The gospel is all those who believe. 
all who will believe, all those who will come from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. There is not one gospel for the Jews and one gospel for the Gentiles. There is one gospel, period. The angel said it was for all people. Jesus came to save people from all tongues and tribes and nations. All those who would believe. John 14, 6 says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Amen? Do you understand when he says no one, he means there's not a Jew on the planet. There's not a Gentile on the planet that will come to the Father any other way except through the cross of Jesus Christ through believing in him, through coming to Christ and saying, I believe that you died for my sins according to the scripture. I believe that you rose from the dead according to the scriptures. No one will make heaven who does not believe that. There's one way. No man comes any other way. Galatians 1 8 and 9. I'm going to read it. I told you I wasn't going to read it anymore, but I kind of have to since I wrote it down. Galatians 1, 8 and 9. He says, I am astonished. Starting at verse 6. I am astonished you are so quickly deserting him who called you by grace, by the grace of Christ, and have turned to a different gospel. Now watch how Paul words this. Not that there is another gospel. But that there are some who trouble you who want to distort the gospel of Christ. But we, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before and now say again, if anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to the one that you receive, let him be accursed. Why? Because there's only one gospel. What is the gospel? I'm going to nail it down in a couple sentences for you. Christ's coming, his incarnation, his sinless life, his atoning death, his glorious resurrection, his ascension, his sending of the Holy Spirit, and his second coming. Without any of these, the gospel is incomplete. The gospel is all of those things. And if you take one of them out, just think about it. Oh, I promise to give you eternal life, but I'm never coming back for you. That's not good news. How about this? I'm coming to die in your place, but I didn't rise from the dead. That's not good news. How about this? I saved you and redeemed you, but I will not seal you unto the day of redemption with my Holy Spirit because I'm not going to send him. The gospel is incomplete without the sending of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It had to happen. It was so important God wrote it down and said it would happen. Amen. The death of Jesus on the cross and, and, and the resurrection from the dead would not even have happened had God not first come in the flesh. 
be born as a babe, and live a sinless life. He would never have made an atoning sacrifice. This is the gospel, and we must not deviate from it. And there is not more than one gospel. There is only one gospel. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us tonight. Lord, I know I've preached this sermon with many notes and many verses and much bigger. But none of that matters, God. I pray that you would anoint the hearts and the minds of those who have heard this tonight, God, that you have let them hear what the Spirit and the Bride say. Lord, let them come. Let them believe the truth and let them understand that Jesus Christ, his life, death, burial, resurrection, sending of the Spirit of God and his coming again are all the gospel. It's all our good news. We ask, God, that you would consecrate our hearts and our minds that we might understand that Peter and Paul and Christ and the angels and God himself in the Garden of Eden all preach the same gospel. That there is a coming Christ. And now we proclaim that he has come. That he's coming again. Help us to hold fast to our profession of faith. Let us not waver. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.